everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today, as we continue our series on Reconstructed Faith, we're going to be looking at the Bible and a middle ground for biblical understanding. Before we jump into our topic today, I just wanted to let you guys know that I am officially publishing the book. I talked about that last week, my book, and Monday, um, God just provided, and I have it with the publisher right now. It's actually with the editor right now, and I fully expect to get it back sometime this next week probably to make some edits and then send it back and then do more edits and more edits and all that kind of good stuff, but it should be in your hands in June crazy stuff. All right. As we talk about reconstructed faith, last week we talked about the idea of having something worth reconstructing, that we have met a very real God who is worth figuring out what's true about him, what's not true about him, and all that kind of stuff. Like we have to know there's something worth reconstructing. What are we supposed to reconstruct around? Now, this is the big thing. If we do not have solid truth to reconstruct around, what we are reconstructing is just our own opinions. It's just our own thoughts or somebody else's thoughts. It's not necessarily truth. So I want to talk about the Bible today because there's kind of a very black and white way of thinking out there right now. People assume that you should either accept everything that you've been taught as truth and don't question and don't doubt, don't wonder. Or they want you to just reject everything, throw it all away. I've heard some really sad things that people have said about the Bible. One person said recently that, you know, it's really sad. People created this book about God and got him totally wrong. I'm like, wait, what? No, people read a book that God helped to write, that God inspired, and got it totally wrong. It's not the book itself that's wrong. It's the way we are viewing it. My middle ground approach And if you know that I'm writing a book, you know that it's called Religious Rebels, Finding Jesus in the Awkward Middle Way. So here's the middle way approach. Instead of being somebody who's like, I have to believe everything I've ever been taught about the Bible as though that is scripture itself, or I'm going to reject it all and say that it's all wrong based on my own personal Western English translations understanding. (laughs) There is a middle way. And so we're going to talk about that today, this middle way way of how we approach scripture. If we're going to reconstruct our faith, we have to have something to reconstruct it around. There has to be something that's giving us our truth and our understanding. I know that's not popular in our current culture, but it's just it's just the truth. So if we look at scripture, it's okay and it's good to recognize the twisted parts, the parts that we've been taught that are pulled out of context, that are just based on people's own traditions and opinions, the ideas, the religious ideas that we have that are based on poor understanding. Yes, absolutely. Let's reject those. And guys, as I got into scripture for myself and started recognizing, wait a minute, that's not actually in the Bible. That was just somebody's opinion that they gave me. That was really what helped me to recognize that like some of this is just really whacked and it's not actually true. And it's not actually even in scripture. So I don't have to reject scripture. I can just reject that crazy idea. 
We need to recognize, guys, that the Bible is an ancient text that was written by Middle Easterners for other Middle Easterners. We are approaching the Bible thousands of years after it was written. And so it's an ancient text. And it was not written for our Western understanding. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. We have English translations that can't usually be read at face value in our English language without background knowledge. And some of our translations are worse than others. I grew up with the idea that the King James Version was the only reliable translation, which if you've done any research at all about how the King James was written and why it was written, then you're going to recognize that that's bogus lies. But it is a very popular translation for people who want to control other people because it's very difficult to read. The words have different meanings these days than they did back in the day. And you can really just make it mean anything you want it to mean. For instance, this is something super interesting. I've been doing a Bible study that I've mentioned before um, on my socials, it may be here, I'm not sure, called Jesus and Women. And it's by a woman who does a lot of culture, like she's a professor of biblical culture. And so she has some very interesting things that I'm going to be sharing with you guys throughout this episode. But here's a personal example of the King James Version being used completely out of context in English translation, literally, by my old cult leader. So in Matthew, Matthew 6, there's two verses. And they say in King James, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now, my sister-in-law also grew up in the cult. And so when I realized through this Bible study what the actual meaning of these words were, I went to her and I said, hey, what does this passage talk about? What is What was Bill Gothard saying this meant? And she goes, oh, well, that our eyes had to be bright and shining so people would know we were different. And I was like, thank you. That's what I thought too. He literally taught that this whole idea of the light of the body is the eye was that if you were holy and set apart and really truly following God and being blessed by God, you would have bright, shining eyes. And so the whole goal for us young women, besides having curly hair and wearing modest attire, was to have these bright, shining ministry eyes along with our ministry smile. Well, interestingly enough, as I'm listening to this Bible study that I'm doing, apparently having a good eye is a Jewish idiom. So something they would have understood right away in ways that we don't understand, and it means to be generous. person with a good eye is a generous person. How hard is it to actually look up and figure that out and research and study? I don't feel like it's very hard, and yet we look at this English translations and we make up stuff that's really not there. It makes a lot of sense when you think about it that way because those two verses are sandwiched in between two other sections talking about money. Money. So this makes sense. We're talking about money, money, and then money again. Gosh. But this is the stuff that happens all the time, you guys. We take things out of context. We miss Jewish culture. We miss idioms. We miss all kinds of things. And then us Western Christians and our arrogance take our English translations of an ancient text, take them at face value, and create theology. We create tradition. We create religion. And so, yes, we should be rejecting that. Do I think I need to have bright, shining eyes in order for God to be seen through my soul? No. (laughs) No. Should I be a generous person who's willing to give away what God has blessed me with? Yes. Two very different things. 
Guys, the Old Testament gets a lot of negative connotations these days. Like people are really against, especially in the deconstruction community, against the Old Testament. They see the violence and they see a God who, you know, they say, oh, he wanted genocide. And they just really have this negative aspect about the Old Testament. A few years ago, I was taking an Old Testament class, actually right before COVID, sadly enough, I didn't actually get to finish it, but with a um, Hebrew professor from Dallas Seminary. And he was talking about ancient culture, <laughs> Middle Eastern, and war language. And he said so much of the Old Testament, especially with the battles and the wars, where they're like, and they totally annihilated them, and they destroyed everything, and they burned, and they killed, and all that kind of stuff really is kind of like the way we view sports these days. When we would say things like, that team totally destroyed our team, we don't mean they actually physically got out like guns and knives and killed each other. It just means that they beat them. And so there's so much of the Old Testament in this ancient Middle Eastern language and war language and idioms and stuff like that that we don't get in our modern understanding because we don't have the background, we don't have the culture, and we don't have the knowledge. And so for us to reject everything based on our own Western understanding thousands of years later without doing any digging or any looking or any searching or any trying to figure out what it means is just pure arrogance. Like, I'm sorry, but that's really the truth. It is pure arrogance to reject something without actually trying to figure out what it really means. So let's talk about the difference between Middle Eastern culture and Western culture. Each of my Bible study sessions, she opens with this chart and she says there's a Western lens how we look at scripture, and a Middle Eastern lens, how they look at scripture. So we look and we want to know how. How did this happen? Give me the details. We understand things before we believe them. We look for laws. We look for rules. We look for principles. I, I know this because I've experienced it very, very closely. We want to know, what does this teach me about me? This is very individual, kind of self-centered thinking. We want to dig deep and get down in it and pick it apart and find the details and all these things like that. And we study the Bible to acquire knowledge. This is our Western way of looking at things, of studying, of trying to find anything like this. Middle Eastern way is very different. And remember, the Bible was written by Middle Easterners for a Middle Eastern audience. And so for us to read it in our Western way, we're going to miss things. We're going to screw things up. We're going to just not actually get an accurate picture of what it's supposed to be unless we try to look through a, more of a Middle Eastern lens. Middle Easterners will look at scripture and say, why? Why would God do that? The thing that I think of right now specifically is like the Garden of Eden, okay? So creation, the Garden of Eden has gotten just destroyed in our Western culture because we're like, well, you know, this was really a poem and this was really whatever. Was it really a day or was it a thousand years or you know, all this stuff we just pick, pick, pick apart trying to figure out how, how did it happen? How did it happen? What are the details? We don't read it as a story. We don't look at it and say, why would God do this? And that's the thing is it doesn't have to be this like, well, is it completely accurate? Is it literal? Is it non-literal? Like the whole point is it's in the Bible and it's telling us something about God and why did God do this? Like why? And people in the Middle Eastern cultures tend to believe first and then seek to understand. I think this is huge, especially when we think about our deconstruction and reconstruction of our faith. They see scripture as a story, as a narrative, and it's saying things about God. What does it teach me about God? Not what does it teach me about me, but what does this teach me about God? What does this story reveal to me about who God is? 
And there's just everything. I mean, the Bible is a story and a narrative. It's the story of God pursuing people over and over and over again. And they read through it. They, they seek to bring it together, to synthesize it. They connect things. They say, oh, this reminds me of that story over here. And this word is the same word over here. I wonder how this is connected. And they connect it, like a, she said, like a string of pearls, putting things together and connecting them. And then instead of trying to acquire knowledge, they come looking to be fed. And guys, as I keep doing this Bible study and I keep looking at scripture and I think to myself, like, we are just doing this wrong. We're doing this wrong. And it makes me think about just how... When I was in Israel back in 2015, and I met these Jewish people, these Orthodox Jews, even though they didn't know Jesus and they didn't have an understanding of the New Testament, they still saw Jehovah as a God of love and mercy, that they knew that he had continually pursued people over the years, that he had given love, mercy, and grace. And I was like, wait a minute, here I am in my Western culture and people are rejecting God based on the Old Testament. All you have is the Old Testament. And you see him as a God of love, mercy, and grace. Something is wrong here. Guys, I think it's really important that we recognize that the Bible, hear me, hear me right here, okay? The Bible was not written for us. We are outsiders. We are Gentiles. We are grafted into this tree. We are part of God's family, but we don't have all the knowledge. I feel like so often, American Christians and Western Christians, just we're just arrogant. We think we have it all. We know it all. We're just, we're very confident in our version of theology and our side of things. And, and we just, we're outsiders, guys. The Bible was not written for us. It was written for Middle Easterners by Middle Easterners. And we need to approach it with humility, with saying, man, I don't really get this. I don't really understand all of this, but I want to. I want to understand the culture. I want to understand the context. I want to understand the idioms and the language and the, the things that were really happening here. I want to understand the point of the story, not the details, but the point. I want to see what God was doing. I want to get it. And I think that is the big thing that we just need to think about as we reconstruct our faith. Coming to scripture with humility and recognizing like we've gotten it wrong. And we're going to go ahead and reject those parts that we've gotten wrong. But it's not scripture itself that's wrong. It's our pathetic little understanding of it. It's us coming with our arrogance, reading an English translation literally word for word. Guys, I, I believe in a literal Bible, but I believe literally according to the genre, according to the author's intent, according to like what's actually happening, not a literal English translation of me being like, this is a literal word. Like, no, that's just silliness. So I just would like to encourage you guys, as you approach scripture, come with humility, come recognizing that you are an outsider looking in, that you're not going to get it all right first time, that you're going to have to dig, you're going to have to look, you're going to have to try to have a different framework as you approach things, asking different questions, looking for different things, and that maybe God wants to meet you in the middle of this story. Maybe he wants to reveal things about himself in the middle of this beautiful story of God creating people, of God pursuing people, of God coming to dwell with people, of God dying for people, and then of God sending his spirit to go ahead and be with us and live with us until he returns. Like that's the story of scripture. And if we can accept that 
and be willing to not understand it all and willing to dig and search and wonder and ask questions, but not immediately reject because of the way we've had it told to us or the way that we assume it is. Like don't reject it until you've actually dug in and realize what it is and what it's all about. Guys, God is real. And the things that are happening right now on college campuses and amongst people who are seeking him, I think they're real. And it's flying in the face of people who are trying to just deconstruct it all and say it's just like an idea and a religion and whatever, because there's something real here that we can't explain. There is a mystery and an enchantment and an experience. And to me, that's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting to know the truth about this because I do believe that God is real, that he made me, that he made you, that his desire is to be connected to us, to know us, to restore us here on earth and ultimately forever with him in eternity. And so to me, this is worth fighting for. This kingdom of heaven is worth fighting for. It's a little backwards and upside down and inside out and unexpected but it's everything that our souls long for. And so as we continue talking about reconstructing faith, I just pray that you would find hope and that you would find your heart just longing for more, that you would have more of this questions and wonderings and you'd be willing to go on this adventure of seeking God and finding him because that's promised so, so often through scripture. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.